Good morning. So our Bible reading is from Titus chapter 3. It's Paul's letter to Titus chapter 3, starting from verse 1. Saved in order to do good. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Alf. And uh, the passage will be coming up and, um, again and again on the screen as we look uh, at it together. But let's join in praying this morning as we start. Lord, we ask for your help. Come, Holy Spirit, the one who inspired this word and Paul who wrote it. Come and enlighten our minds and our hearts and move us to grasp more deeply what you've done for us in Jesus Christ, how everything has changed. And we ask for your grace, your power to live different lives on the back of what we hear today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it's the beginning of September. I wonder how you sort of finish the summer. Has anyone recently got back from summer holidays just now over the last week or two? Perhaps you had a, a good stint off. Uh, my wife, uh, Kirsty, and I and Phoebe, we had a, a couple of weeks off. And uh, I always get, if I'm honest, I always get that slight going back to school feeling with September. Anyone else after a long holiday? I mean, you, you know you'll love it. You know you'll get into it when it happens. But there is a time, and I will confess, church, there is a time when I'm lying there in the sun in southwest France, and I'm just saying, Lord, do I really have to go back? Does anyone else empathize with that? Do I have to go back to work? Do I have to psych myself up again? Do I have to get back into it? September represents a sort of new start, a fresh beginning, doesn't it, in many ways. And uh, we were on this holiday, and we really had to psych ourselves up because we were facing a 4 a.m. start to get a taxi to go to the airport with our nine-month-old daughter, Phoebe. And and as I went to go and book in on British Airways, uh, I found that actually you could swap it for free. Has anyone experienced that recently? Think of all the problems at the airports. But it said, you are 
able to swap this for free if you'd like. Um, and so I was like, I would like that very much. I'd like a later flight today. So we managed to get a flight 10 hours uh, further on from that 4 a.m. start, uh, which was a, a real relief. More of that in a moment. There's a twist in the tale. But September represents a sense of new beginnings, doesn't it? Of new opportunities, perhaps in your faith life. Perhaps this is a good chance for you to review where you're at and to say, Lord, I want to go in a fresh direction. I want to see and find out everything that you've got for me. Or you might be feeling the very opposite. You might be feeling in yourself, whether spiritually or, or just emotionally, you might be feeling flat, low, broken. You might be dreading the future. Well, whatever place you're in this morning, I've got good news for you. And it's because it's not my news, it's news coming from the word of God. I've got good news to share. But at the outset, what is the vision? What is God's vision for our lives, either for now or for any time of life? Well, we see something of God's vision for us in our text this morning. If we could have verses one and then going on to two. Thanks, Jay. The scripture we heard read starts by saying, remind the people, which I'm doing on Paul's behalf, on God's behalf, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate and always to be gentle toward everyone. And then if we could flick forward to verse 8J, that's how our passage starts. This is how the passage we've heard read ends. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Friends, I want you to imagine that this morning. Imagine such a society. Jay, if we could go back to verse one again, bro. Not just to imagine such a church, but imagine such a society. Just think for now of the most wonderful person you know, perhaps the, the best, shiniest Christian you know. You got that person in mind? You think of how kind they are, how full of the Spirit, how loving, how joyful, how peaceful, how patient, how gentle. Now imagine, because everyone in here is obviously like that, right? But imagine we head out of these doors at the end of the service. Imagine that everyone on the street, everyone on the tube, everyone in the park, everyone we meet in the rest of London, the UK, imagine they were like that, like that person. It's almost impossible to do, isn't it? And yet, under God, in Christ, with the vision of Christianity, that is God's vision for our lives. Not just our lives, not just the church, but society for the world. That the world will be filled with people like that. Don't you want to be a person like that? A person who is patient, who's kind, who's loving. That's the goal. Imagine for a moment if the Notting Hill Carnival crowd was like that. Did anyone go to the Notting Hill Carnival? I didn't. I'm just encouraging hands in the air. There's a few. There's a few among us. Do you know what I'm talking about, the Notting Hill Carnival? It's just casual weekend where a million people descend on this neck of the woods. And uh, they head out and just, they do their thing. They do their business. And it's a mixed bag, isn't it? I mean, you guys had a good time. You guys are the saints in the mix. You know, salt, uh, leaven in the bread, if you like. 
But it's a mixed crowd, is that fair to say? There's mixed ambitions going on. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? People go around, they leave calling cards. I mean, it seems to become a bit of a public toilet, Notting Hill. I mean, I don't want to go too crude, but do you know what I mean? Like, people have had that experience. But they leave calling cards. Actually, St. Peter's. Have we got that slide, Jay? Can we get that image up? St. Peter's had a calling card. Can you see that? That's our, our door. If you come out of the church, turn right. That's our notice board there. And someone was kind enough to leave a tag. I think that's the technical term for a graffiti uh, piece of art. They tagged us. I don't know what language. Anyone know what language that is? I think it might be tongues. Might need an interpretation. But I think it says Jesus loves you. I'm going to go with that. Anyone else? So it's a mixed bag, Notting Hill goers. But imagine if they were all like these people, like Paul says, if they were subject to rulers and authorities, if they were obedient, if they were ready to do whatever is good. They slandered no one. Do you think there's a bit of slander that went on during the Notting Hill Carnival? A little bit? Might have been. I got sent some reports whilst on holiday in France from my dad and others of all people with some of the headlines. And they don't make pretty reading, do they? But just imagine if everyone was like this vision that Paul sets out under God of living this way. Imagine if everyone was peaceable, was considerate, was always gentle to everyone. Admittedly, if they were like that, as opposed to uh, hating everyone, as Paul goes on to write, then it might not be the same event, right? <laughs> I mean, some of the dancing might have looked a little bit different if everyone had more of the fruit of the Spirit. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't want to be judgmental, but some of the clothing might have had more material to it. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I mean, some of you were there. You can tell us afterwards. But imagine if they lived out this vision of verse 1, Jay. If, uh, sorry, not just you, Jay. Everyone. But thank you for verse 1. What a beautiful gathering that would be. As Paul goes on to write, it would be excellent and profitable for everyone if we lived this way. So friends, if, if that's the vision, if this is the kind of person and the kind of people God wants us to be, then the question is, how do we get there? How do we get there? I mentioned Kirsty and I have just been on a couple of weeks holiday and the last week of that we had the chance to go to my mother's place in southwest France. I haven't been for years actually. And life's changed a bit over the last uh, nine months, ten months since Phoebe arrived in our lives. And holidays, anyone else, parent, you know, holidays seem to have changed shape now. And it looks like they might have changed shape forever. Um, so the destinations change. I mean, lying in the sun for hours at a time, just getting a tan and flopping in the pool. That doesn't seem to happen as much. Am I right, Florian? That seems to be the way. Thank you, Lord. A refining fire. So even our travel plans need to change. So when we go somewhere, we seem to have as much stuff as is required to fill a small flat, you know, just for one baby. So we take our car with us. And I was Kind, you know, someone was kind enough to donate me their old Volvo V70. Anyone know the one? An estate car. I've gone on about it before. I won't ever stop going on about it. What a beautiful piece of engineering. And we take that everywhere. And so we drove down to southwest West France, 660 miles across two days. Uh, the car packed to the gunnels with stuff. We made it all the way there. But the deeper we went in France, the hotter it got. So we saw 30 degrees. Whew. You know, 32, 35, 37, 
39, aircon on. We're just like, it's lovely in here. You know that moment where you open the windows and actually you're driving at sort of 60 miles an hour, but you still, the car gets too hot just from the air. I mean, that's how hot it was. Went 39, finished up at 41 degrees. But the Volvo made it through. And we unpacked, we, we made our way there, got to my mum's house. And then the next day I got up early um, and I went to get in the car to go and get us some fresh croissant for the day. We had some friends staying as well. So I tried to start the Volvo. Mm, mm, you know, it's turning over, but it isn't kicking on. And I get out and I sort of bang it and open the hood and look at an engine and think, I have no idea how you work, but I've done what I can. Close it again, go back, try it again. Mm, mm, it's not starting. It's broken down. Nothing works. We're trapped. We're stuck. It's good for nothing in terms of its vision of being a car and getting us where we need to go. It is good for nothing. Luckily, we've got breakdown cover through Nationwide Bank. Pay for the privilege. They come and they pick it up. They take it off. We need to get a hire car. It's, it's an adventure getting home. We'll come to that in a moment. But friends, the fuel pump had gone. And there's a certain seal that is very rare to get because it's a very old Volvo. They've actually stopped making this Volvo, do you know? Did you see that in the news? So it's going to become a collector's item. So I'm open to offers if you want to lay your hands on this thing. It's going to go up in value. But they struggled to find it. And actually, when it came to us leaving, they still hadn't found it. So we had to be jetted out of there. And the insurance paid for flights. And they've now found the part. I've got to go down to France next week to pick up the car. But my point is this, friends. That car was not going anywhere. And if our vision, which our vision was, was to return to London, well, there was no chance of doing it with the car in that state. And friends, if God's vision is for us to be these kinds of people, obedient, ready to do whatever is good, verse 2, please, Jay, not to slander anyone, to be peaceable, to be considerate, to always be gentle toward everyone, and all the rest of it in the Christian life, if that is God's vision... For us to be these people, then how are we going to get there? Because we don't have a great start in our natural abilities. Paul goes on to explain his starting point and his hearer's starting point, and perhaps your starting point, which is the human condition. He goes on to write in verse 3, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Do you think there are a few passions and pleasures being lived out, being practiced at the Notting Hill Carnival? From knowledge and experience, I know that happens. Paul's saying he was one of them. That's how they lived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. He goes on to say, we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Malice, envy, hating one another. Quite the opposite of being gentle toward everyone, which is God's vision for our lives. Disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Interesting, isn't it? That pleasure can enslave. The scriptures say of Moses, who led God's people out of Egypt, Hebrews writes of Moses saying, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Just a thought worth noting. But note that he begins 
this list in verse 3 by saying that at one time we too were foolish. And I want to suggest, friends, that foolishness is the foundation of all these other errors, of all the rest of the chaos that flows. It flows from foolishness. Why? Well, because the Bible says, describing and articulating what foolishness means, the Bible says that the fool says in his heart that there is no God. In other words, the fool in God's eyes is the one who doesn't believe in him, is the one who looks at the wonders of creation and the universe and chooses to conclude, nope, just an accident, just here by chance, no one behind it. And yet that wasn't Paul, right, the author of this letter to Titus. Paul had always been a believer. He was a good, upstanding Jew. He was a Pharisee, for goodness sake. So how does this make sense, him saying, we too once were foolish? Well, this way, I want to suggest. Because whilst believing in God, which he did as a Jew, Paul didn't believe in Jesus. So you could tweak that Old Testament verse, if you like, to say the fool says in his heart that Jesus isn't God. And friends, in the spiritual life, that is a recipe for disaster. That is a recipe for spiritual breakdown. That is a recipe for having a Volvo, the engine of a Volvo, my Volvo in your life spiritually having an engine that just won't start. So let me ask you, where are you today? How's your spiritual health? Is the engine starting? Are you purring along down the auto route? Are you able to get where you want to go? Or is it just not starting? Are you broken down? Do you need a spiritual MOT? Well, if so, friends, I've got good news for you this morning. Paul goes on to write, having outlined the bad situation that he was in. Often you find this in the Bible. You start with the bad news, but you move on to the good news. Like a doctor's diagnosis, right? You've got this, but hey, there's a cure. Verse 4, he writes, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared... And by appeared, he's talking about Jesus Christ appearing, God in the flesh, right? When the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Friends, these verses tell us that our salvation, and it's nothing short of that, we have been saved if we believe and receive this invitation. Our salvation, Paul tells us, is a fully Trinitarian event. It's the kindness and love of God, the Father, saving us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. 
poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we've seen in baptism this morning? Didn't we see the waters poured out? This is, we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All of God is for you, is on your side, loves you, and wants to bring you home. That's the good news today. That's what God is like. That is what he is up to. And just in case you're under any delusion, it's not because we deserve it. No, Paul writes the verse before that, please, Jay. It's because of his mercy. Not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. It's a free gift, friends. That's what grace means. Grace, break down the letters, stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. And because of that grace, which Paul writes, has justified us. What does justification mean? What does justified mean? Well, think of it like this. Just if I'd never sinned. You trapped with that? Justified, never seen, sinned. That's how God sees us now. Forgiven, cleansed, washed in Christ. We can approach him boldly. And because of that, Paul says, we are now heirs of God, having the hope of enjoying everything that is his for all eternity. And do you know that God's quite wealthy? Do you know he owns quite a lot? And he invites us into that life that begins now and goes on forever. Now, several times on holiday the last couple of weeks, as I come into land, I was struck by this deep truth. I just kept coming back to this scripture. That's why I chose to preach on it today. And was struck again and again how profound this is. If we could go to the, the verse. Uh, yeah, that's the right verse. Thanks, Jay. How profound it is that something deep has happened to each one of us. If you're a Christian here today, if you've been baptized, if you trust in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, something profound has happened on the inside. Our inmost nature has been transformed. Can I get an amen for that? Isn't that good news? Hands up if you know that your inmost nature, if you were left your own devices, you might not make it there to glory. You might not have the beatific vision. You might not see God face to face. Who knows they need a little bit of help this morning getting into God's presence. Well, the, the six of us will have a great time when we see him face to face. Friends, that's all of us. If you're here today and you're one of those guys who are like, oh, I don't believe it, I don't, then just please receive it with, with my heart, with my compassion, with my love. You need this, friends. God is a consuming fire. None of us can approach him in and of ourselves. But through Christ, we can approach him boldly. And as we do, something happens on the inside of us. We get transformed. Our inmost nature is changed. Paul refers to it uh, being renewed. Saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal. There's a washing of renewal that we've seen, we've spoken of happening with the christening, with the baptism this morning. That's what the waters speak of. We are renewed. If, you know, if you're part of St. Peter's, you will know. Has anyone noticed how nice the floor is looking? Isn't it looking beautiful? If you're here for the first time, it's like, it looks like a wooden floor. Well, you should have seen that wooden floor. It was dark. It was scarred. It was in a terrible condition. And yet we didn't lay down new planks, no. 
We just sanded back, and I saw it happen over a couple of weeks, sanding it three, four, five times to reveal the true nature of the wood. And then to re-varnish it, re-protect it, to bring it out. Friends, your life can be more than what it is today. We are made in the image of God, but that image has been covered up. It has been scuffed. It has been sullied. But it has not been lost completely. Amen? You can be made new. And through what God has done for each and every one of us, through Jesus Christ on the cross, we can be renewed. We can be made holy. We can be reborn. He saved us through the washing of rebirth. Friends, we're born once physically, but each of us needs to be born again spiritually. And this is what has happened to us in Christ. And this, if you don't yet know Christ, is the invitation for you. And you can come to him today. Friends, I don't know where you're at today. You might be flying spiritually. In which case, great, keep going. Just remember, it's not because of anything you've done. It's his mercy, his grace. Or you might feel a bit more like my old Volvo. You might feel spiritually flat and dead. Well, I've got good news for you. Because God can get you home. Just like our breakdown cover, got us home by paying for those flights. But equally, or even more excitingly, he can make you new. Just like the garage is going to do tomorrow. Because they found the part, that very rare part. And they're going to fix Valerie the Volvo. Isn't that good news? Can I get an hallelujah for that? They're going to fix her up. She's going to be fine. I'm going to fly back down to southwest France next week. Perhaps take a day there just to relax, catch my breath, before driving back. And God can do the same with you and me. Because God has got everything needed to make you and me whole and bring us home. He's got all the parts. All we need to do is come to him. Amen. Amen. Would you like to stand?